Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode one of Bite Marks, a podcast by gamers for gamers about politics. Since this is our first episode, we'd like to talk about how our podcast will go moving forward. We structured this podcast in a two-episode style. Each episode will be headlined by either say hello, Callum. Oh, uh, hello, Callum. <laughs> Each was, episode will that be was right there. <laughs> Each episode will be themed uh, around a specific uh, theme that will be shared by both Callum and myself. Today's episode is about capitalism in video games. Ooh. Ooh. And Callum, why don't you tell the audience what you're going to be talking about today? Well, first I'd like to um, direct the audience's memories back to that famous clip of... Uh, what was his name? Tim Curry. Uh, in that one game where he tries to escape capitalism by going to space. Red because... Alert 2. Yep, because you can't. Uh, today we're talking about <laughs> Elite Dangerous, which is the most capitalism game I've ever played, and it takes place in space. <laughs> space capitalism, oh no. Uh, um, we must build I've additional not... Elons. <laughs> oh no, we can't, even in space we can't escape Elon Musk. Uh, so why don't you tell me a little bit about Elite Dangerous? I... I have to admit, I've never played it. These kinds of games aren't really my cup of tea. Uh, so take it away. All right. So Elite Dangerous is very similar to games like Euro Truck Simulator, where you get given a, a piece of machinery that's that's quite complicated to work out. So there's a steep learning curve and a very simple task. You need to take one package from a space station to another and try and sell it. But the ultimate goal of the game is to sell enough of this, these materials to upgrade your ship to kind of do what you want to do in space. Hmm. So uh, I did a little bit of reading into this game. Uh, and from what I can see, the, the core gameplay loop of it is basically something like gather, do quests. It's kind of like World of Warcraft in a way. Do quests to get more money, to get better equipment, to do more quests. Is, is that correct? Yeah, but I'm glad you brought up World of Warcraft because I actually wanted to make this point. I'm a fan of RPGs. Because it, I like a game that starts you off kind of weak and you have to build yourself up into the glorious hero that you were always meant to be. But RPGs differ from Elite Dangerous in that they let you build yourself up by allowing you to uh, complete the activity you want to do at a lower level, like at the lowest stakes. Hmm. Whereas in Elite Dangerous, you have to trade on the fucking space stock market for eons before you can buy the appropriate weaponry to go on space fights. Wait, so you're telling me that you don't get to be Captain Chad Thunder Chad in space and just go around blasting people? So it's not like Mass Effect. No, you, you have to buy your Chad Thunder Chad status. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, that's awful. Mm, they give you weaponry at the beginning with every ship, but it's like disgustingly bad i got shot out of the sky five times out of five every single space fight i got into <laughs> which would be a startling mirror of what would happen if you got into random fights in real life it's not, not it, so it is realistic but i mean i'm i'm a space captain i'm not doing this for realism guys are you sure about that callum again in my research i found out that you can have ship insurance and do loans okay that... 
I've, I've played. I've sunk like a hundred hours into this game. I haven't even oh come across ship insurance yet. <laughs> you need to level up your financial accounting skill before you can get to the ship insurance. <laughs> Logistical management level up. Uh, so, so you're telling me that Elite Dangerous is is so is it should i should i conceptualize of uh, elite dangerous as more like a game like eve online where you basically have a second job um sort of it's in that vein of games where they give you a mundane task to do so that you can sort of just keep your hands busy while you listen to a podcast <laughs> so i can see why you brought up euro truck simulator so tell me a little bit about like how capitalism kind of manifests in elite dangerous well, what it, is the what, what is it like um it's in the fact that the main way to make money especially early on is that you can't really do anything other than taking a package from one station to another and you have to play the stock market so you have to mm. choose like i need to deliver i have these goods i need to deliver some of them for a mission but the rest i can just sell and i need to check which stations are selling these at the highest prices and stuff all the, so that you can feed into the job you actually want to do which is like space combat or whatever which you need money to upgrade your ship to be able to do ah okay so really at the beginning of the game you are basically just kind of like a courier but instead of being a courier like in new vegas where really you are a courier in name only uh you are literally just a mailman essentially in space yeah it is the most startling metaphor for freelancing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, and let me guess, there's no space unions. Oh, God. Can you imagine space unions? <laughs> you know, every time I think about a game like EVE Online, or now, now that I think about it, Elite Dangerous, I always imagine, like, yes, why aren't there space unions? But we'll get to that later. <laughs> Something that came up in the research uh, is that this game originally launched with basically no player character. You were a spaceship. That is correct, uh, yes. Would you, would you mind elaborating on that? Because I think that's a very interesting idea of characterization. Whereas in typical space fantasies, you are Chad Thunder Chad, space captain with a jaw that's like huge. But here you're, you're a ship. What, what, what's that about? Well, I, I bought Elite Dangerous because I had seen a review of it and I was like, I'd like a game to sort of relax to. And I thought I had been reading up on it and I saw the feature, you can build your own captain. And I was just like, hell yeah, I want to interact with space as a person on my own cool ship. And as soon as I got into the game, I found out that that is only available in the DLCs. So you, you are literally just the spaceship interacting oh, no. with spaceports. That's that's horribly... In a way, that's actually very dehumanizing if you think about it. You are just the item. You are not even a person in space. You have to pay money to become a person. You have to buy your identity in in, <laughs> in capital space. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm starting to see why Elon Musk wants, wants to get into space. Uh, can you imagine? You have to buy a new body on Mars and we'll teleport uh... your consciousness to it. Oh no, that that's actually uh, 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 that's that's a terrible way to imagine space travel. <laughs> but that is something I could see him doing. Um, so it's, it's the you, sleeves you... from um, uh... <laughs> from that show on Netflix. Um, or I, 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 you know, of course, I could I could 
probably point to some bit in Futurama, but I, I think we're getting a bit sidetracked. So you said there were DLCs. How integral are they actually to the experience of, of Elite Dangerous? What, what can you do in these DLCs? Well, it depends. Do you want to explore planets? Yes. Oh, then you need a DLC, bud. What? what? <laughs> yeah, you... <laughs> this is a space game. <laughs> you can look at planets in the in normal one. You can look at them all you want and even scan them. But um, want to touch down and explore them? Nope. I have to pay... Oh, no. So so, so this kind of goes to, to kind of explaining why Star Citizen, a game where you can, by default, go to planets, is costing upwards of... $300 million to develop. I had no idea the technology was that expensive. <laughs> yeah, who knew that all of these other game companies were, like, rolling in so much bank in designing player characters? It's astounding. But, like, I mean, surely, surely this can't be the game, right? There has to be something more to it. Like, is there a story? Is there... I'm sure there is, but it it ceases to matter because it's all delivered in, like, text boxes. Xboxes, oh no. Yeah, in Skype calls with the uh with the people who run the station, they're like, This is <laughs> happening. We need you to deliver it uh this box of mail for these people so that we can get a commu and it's like it has nothing to do with me. I'm I am no one. You're just a faceless peon in the corporate hierarchy. Exactly. The Johnson oh. account is going through today and we need you to take this upstairs. Okay. You know, th this is why I think games like Mass Effect have such wide appeal, because they are, first and foremost, a story-driven game. You could transform Command Commander Shepard into many other settings, and provided you still had an interesting cast of characters that interacted with the world and made choices, you could sell that game. Mass Effect is not a popular game because it's a space game. Mass Effect is a popular game because it is a character-driven space game. Yeah. The fact that Elite doesn't have this strong emphasis of characterization kind of tells me that it really is just Euro Truck Simulator, but instead of a truck, it's a spaceship. It's the, the open world game principle, where it's like, we don't need a strong story if we let the player do whatever they want, because we can sell them on the freedom. But mm. much like in life, freedom is boring if it doesn't have a point. <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that... If you have too much of anything, it's a bad idea. Next thing you know, you'll tell me that wealth accumulation is a bad idea. Oh, gosh, never. How, how am I supposed to get that third comma on my net worth if I tell you that, Emilia? <laughs> you know, you, it is something interesting that you mentioned that players have to make their own experiences. From what I've read, Elite Dangerous is the first game in the Elite series to actually be multiplayer focused. Now, is, is, is that... Have you played it much of a multiplayer experience? I know you can play it quote-unquote single-player, but you need to be online to do that. Yeah, um, I, I exclusively play single-player because I got shot out of the sky by, like, NPCs, and I really didn't need that to happen with players. So um, I, I'm sure the multiplayer is okay, but I, I wouldn't like to do it because it's it's such a hassle to just message NPCs while you're moving. It's like texting mm. while driving, basically. It's, it fills you with that same level of dread, where it's like, I don't want to be doing this right now. <laughs> but I actually cannot message you in any other way. It is it is kind of funny, because... Uh, so, for example, I, I was reading more into the game, and there's a, a group of players called Fuel Rats. Ugh. And they are players who spend their role-playing experience. So they, they've created a goal for themselves where their entire purpose is going to be to find players who have run out of fuel and 
I guess in a way that is a kind of organic thing that would develop over time, but it really does seem from what you, you've described that elite is a very bare bones experience and they really are relying on the fact that they are having people to drive the, the engagement of the story. Yeah, you actually, you cut out a bit when you were talking about the fuel rats. They find people ah. without fuel and they... Right, so the fuel rats are an organization of players who go to players who run out of fuel. So, again, one of the odd things about this game is it is a very grounded experience, you know, and you could talk about that a little bit with regards to capitalism, but if you run out of fuel, you're stuck. Yeah. So the fuel rats are an organization of people who are literally, like, going to find people who are stranded and give them fuel to get out of that position. They're like uh, AAA, basically, but in space. And if that's not the most mundane, ridiculous thing I can imagine, what is? <laughs> it's just, it's the whole ridiculous kind of, the players will invent the fun for our game concept that people seem to latch onto with like roguelikes and bigger than the universe sandboxes. At a certain point, I want you to build me a game, a fun experience. I don't want to have to invent it. Like, that's why I paid money for this, guys. I could draw a spaceship on a piece of paper and invent a story around it. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it is this, this kind of realism that I think maybe works against them. Because realism, you know, a, a lot of people, myself included, I play games and we play games to escape reality, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because... We are currently living in not very good times, if you've even looked at the news uh, lately. And video games are meant to be an escape from that. But because this game has, like, according to the developers, a one-to-one -one recreation of the actual Milky Way galaxy, it seems like to me they weren't really shooting very far ahead in terms of trying to deliver a, a, a space experience first and then a social life simulator second, right? Yeah, it's just, I it's impressive that you've created a one-to-one -one replication of our galaxy, but you have to understand that our galaxy is big, and there's not a lot of interesting stuff in the in-between spaces, which is the biggest part. Yeah, yeah, empty space is literally the most amount of uh, our, our galaxy. Planets, livable planets, heck, even just something floating in space is incredibly rare. Um and and so I, I think it's quite interesting that you mentioned you'd, you'd put a podcast on and and play this game because that's exactly what I'd imagine someone who's playing Euro Truck Simulator would do. There there or even maybe real truck drivers where you're you're just spending your time going from place to place. You're not really doing all that much, so you can afford to just sort of drift off into a podcast or a TV show or something and have your brain kind of be on autopilot while you fly this 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 spaceship <laughs> yeah i mean it's... It seems... sorry yeah, no, 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 no go no, ahead it, it it seems antithetical to a lot of like why people play space games you know in the first place because uh from everything that we know about space space is difficult cumbersome extremely fiddly space travel is complicated and difficult and frustrating and really not as cool as it seems uh and so a game like elite dangerous kind of takes some of the ideas about space travel and then basically turns them into like cars in a way, you know, like imagine people just driving around in their cars, but their cars occasionally can shoot lasers, you know, there's nothing truly uh, magical about the act of space travel or maybe perhaps uh, not magical, but maybe perhaps uh, fantastical, 
you know, that, that's the word I would describe, where you're really captivating and drawing in the player's imagination about the possibilities of space travel, rather than saying, hey, you know, you need to trade on the market so that you can afford to pay your space rent, you know, that kind of thing. It really is a matter of almost elitism. Hmm. Oh, I mean, <laughs> because... <laughs> idle drop. <laughs> yeah. Dangerous. Um, it's almost elitism because... For instance, I, I have, like I said, sunk quite a lot of time into this, and I'm nowhere even close to being a space adventurer or anything, because the majority of my money is put into refueling my ship. Oh, no. Yeah, on lengthy so, space travels. So you're telling me that you're a contractor, you're a freelancer in space, and you barely get enough money to get by? That doesn't... <laughs> That's starting to sound too realistic, Callum. Yeah, this, <laughs> this game's hitting a little close to home. Uh, <laughs> But another another point like that I want to make, if we can just turn our attention back to the DLC uh, reality thing, is that your your identity avatar is called a hollow me in this oh, no. world uh, because it's not even actually you getting out of your ship. It is a hologram of you being projected out of your ship to interact with people. Um, and it can enter a thing called the captain's lounge which is available on my menu as someone who does not have that DLC. It says, Captain's Lounge, you need this DLC to enter. <laughs> it is literally putting up a velvet rope in front of me saying, you need to have spent at least this much money before you can ride this. That, that, that sounds like the worst way to incentivize someone to actually buy the DLC because they're just throwing you out of the club without even allowing you to sort of stand in the line, you know? Uh... Don't you think it might have been better to say, hey, you know, here's a smaller scale version of the captain's club, or maybe you have to buy access to the club with in-game currency or something like that? Dude, it's it's crazy. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I get adver um, adverts in this game for, like, ship decals or something that you can buy on their online store for actual Earth human money. <laughs> really so I, I think that's a good way to start to i think that's a good segue into talking about like the in-game economy so i know with a game like eve online you can actually do that game as a job you can earn in-game currency that can be used to convert to real world currency because i guess this is capitalism now and then you can pay for your subscription to eve online with your virtual EVE Online job. So what is like the currency system of like uh, Elite Dangerous like? Well, as far as I can see, it's a very um, almost freemium style currency where you get in-game currency, but you can bolster that with actual currency that mm. you pay into the game, or you can buy things off the online store. Um, I, I like don't... I, I, well, like ship decals, weapons, uh, specific yeah. ships if you want. And it, it seems... I couldn't find a marketplace, as it were, to sell things. Uh, you can sell your ship and stuff to try and buy a better ship, but as far as I know, Elite Dangerous doesn't have a subscription, and if it does, I don't think you can pay for it by being very good at it. And even if you could, <laughs> what a terrible way to sell your game. You have to pay for this every month, but if you're really good at it, at not doing the fun bits, then you can just have it for free, I guess. <laughs> it you know in a lot of the a lot of that that's actually a very interesting point because in a lot of the discourse surrounding a game like elite dangerous is comparison 
right? How does a game like Elite Dangerous compare to games like Star Citizen, to games like, well, Star Citizen is not really a game if it isn't really out, but, you know, No Man's Sky, all of these others, because space simulator games are currently uh, having a bit of a renaissance, as it were. But it is very interesting that a game like Elite Dangerous has opted to go with, in many respects, one of the most simplistic monetization models uh, in comparison to a game like, say, Star Citizen, where you have to pay real-world money for ships, and uh, EVE Online, where if you really aren't treating it as a second job, you aren't actually getting far in the game. Well, I mean, I'd like to... I don't really know that much about EVE Online or Star Citizen, but as a space game, it's not... I would say, and this comes with a mountain of salt, that the space simulator in Spore is more interesting to play than Elite Dangerous. Really? Yeah, really? because... That's, I, I think that's quite a hot take. Do, do you care to elaborate? <laughs> I mean, it, it just... It's more involved. Hmm. Really. I, I feel... I, I basically... Actually, literally turn my ship onto auto-drive when I'm on Elite Dangerous. I just have to line it up to the right point, put it on hyperdrive, and then alt-tab back into Elite Dangerous every now and again to see if I've reached my destination. <laughs> you know what you've reminded me of? You've reminded me of like an idle game that you'd play on like Facebook, where every day you have to log in, shuffle around some virtual corn, and then click on the little rewards, and then you can log back out, out again. So It really That's... is. I mean, and they, <laughs> they find ways to make Spaceville even more redundant by letting you buy an auto-dock system. What? So you have to dock manually? Well, That's, you... That can't be... Yeah, you had to dock manually um, before, and it's actually interesting, and I like that the most, because you have to slow down and line up with the docking section and put out your landing gear, and that's what I want from this. I want to work the spaceship, because it is my spaceship, I bought it, I would like to press the buttons. And then they buy you this module that, like, if you slow down enough when you're close to a space station, it just automatically docks for you. That's uh, That's very actually... That's very strange, uh, I have to admit, because when I looked up pictures of the game and I looked up gameplay footage just to try and get a feel of uh, of the game, uh, it looked like they went to a great deal of trouble to give you a detailed like cockpit and a very detailed uh, sort of HUD and visualization of what was going on in your spaceship. So you're telling me that most of that detail is just cosmetic? Well, no, there's, there's lots of interesting little things you can do, like... Um... You can look around in first person and various menus pop up. You have to contact a space station when you're nearby to get clearance to dock. You can edit the speed and everything, divert power from engines to shields or weapons or whatever. You can check on all your cargo and turn on your headlights. So it is just a space truck. It is a <laughs> space truck with, with like, menus. <laughs> But it, it's crazy looking down at my person, my, my human body, who's just, like, glued to this chair, like, pressing buttons on his console or whatever. I'm just like, bro, just get out of your ship. <laughs> you know, this sounds like a game that, like, uh, the most socially awkward, most uh, agoraphobic nerds might appreciate. You know, they don't have to leave their, their safe, comfortable ship, their gamer chair, their elite... Mountain Dew uh, dispensary. They they just do their stuff from the ship, and uh, occasionally, uh, I guess someone in space will think, "Hey, look, there's Commander Cool Guy. He's so cool. He's got the red spaceship or whatever." 
his spaceship has flames on the wings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that costs ex- that costs real money. It's gonna be a real uh, <laughs> space captain to have flames on the side of his ship. Yeah, um, I don't know. I like the idea of flying with a bunch of friends and completing a trade mission together, or, or we're all protecting a ship as it's completing a trade mission. We're like a squadron or something. But that just goes to show how many dumb concepts can be sold on multiplayer, because doing anything with your friends is fun. That's true. That's true. A lot of Ubisoft games can get by on the fact that, yes, sure, the enemies are bullet sponges, and yes, sure, the game doesn't really have the best uh, loot delivery system, and yes, sure, it's monetized to heck, but if you've got your friends suffering with you, you know, even the worst prison is more tolerable for the fact that you have friends inside the prison. That's why solitary confinement is such a, a serious punishment, because uh, we are social creatures. Yeah. But to, to swing this back around to capitalism, do you think that Elite Dangerous is a, a game that reflects the realities of capitalism transposed into space? Um, to a, a far more watered-down degree, there's no big risk of losing your job or or not being able to get any work on in the space market because you failed a delivery or something and you don't necessarily have to conform to what they want you to do but i think it does really show you exactly what capitalism is trying to do in that it's trying to get you used to this do whatever to make money model so that you can do the things you want, because the things you want cost money, and the things that you have to do make money. So that's actually pretty interesting that you you know you phrase it in that way, because um, a lot of what most people's experience of capitalism is is they'll work a nine to five, and on the weekend that's when they'll do their quote unquote hobbies or you know interests, right? Yeah. So. <clears throat> If, as anyone who, who's actually worked in 9 can tell you, uh, by the end of the week, you are so tired and you've put off so many chores that you have to do, but you can't do it because you've, you've been working, that usually your weekend is spent either not doing any of the things that you're supposed to do and watching the really or the food. Oh, you're breaking up a little bit. Fish. Okay. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people in their experience of capitalism, they work a nine to five. But if you've ever actually worked a nine to five, or God forbid, worked several nine to fives, then you'll know that by the end of the week, you are too tired to do any of your hobbies. So elite dangerous is this idea that uh, you will have all the opportunity you need to expand, all of the opportunity you need to advance. All you have to do is do it, and you will succeed in capitalism. Uh, is that a is that a fair characterization? Yeah, it's basically giving you the promise of an unyielding space adventure, so long as you stick to your grunt work for now. Is there a a hierarchy of players inside of the game? I know Um, it's called Elite Dangerous, obviously, and there is like a ranking system, but how how real uh, would you say that is um, in the game? How it works is you can't accept certain missions if you aren't of a certain rank. Like, you, you okay. get leveled up in, in certain fields, so, like, in deliveries and stuff like that. Literally, they level you up in deliveries. And if you aren't, like, a scout or nomad or whatever, then, um, sorry, you can't get this super high-paying mission. That's... <laughs> I, w- 
that's not how capitalism works. <laughs> Usually it's you who you know. So you you know you'd uh, tender uh, for a job and then uh, <laughs> uh, you'd maybe slip the station commander an extra five thousand credits and uh, he'll give you the job <laughs> rather than say, ah, I see you're leveled up in scouting skills, so you can do the scout mission. Well, it, it's more like a job experience thing, like work experience. Like, um, there's no way for me to get work experience in in space fighting if I can not buy the appropriate weaponry for space fighting, and mm. I can't do that because I spend so long going between stations that I have to repair my ship every five missions, which costs like all my money. So I can't get the experience, so I can't take these high-paying space fighting missions. Ah, so. In a sense, it is actually basically the sort of trap of capitalism because a lot of people they can't they can't advance in the system because um, they don't have the capital to become capital owners, so they can't you know get a loan because they don't have credit or they don't have collateral, and so they're just sort of stuck working nine to five jobs, getting by, paying rent, you know, living from day to day, month to month, paycheck to paycheck. Exactly. They can't do the cool stuff because. Uh, Unfortunately, they just don't have, you know, the ability. I mean, sure, every now and then a player, a rare player might be like, I'm going to grind excessively. I'm going to dedicate my life to this and I'm not going to play any other game but Elite Dangerous. And then you could see maybe they'll get ahead of the curve, but kind of the average player uh, doesn't do that. They just sort of fall at the bottom. I wouldn't say it's so cut and dry. I think if you you spent like most of your... If you play it as a action game then and spend the majority of your money on upgrading your ship i'm sure you could get to a point where you're space fighting in seconds well no in hours but still <laughs> um and so i don't want to spread misinformation to people who can comment and say like i got to be a space captain of a pirate fleet in 30 minutes i'm sure if you dedicate yourself to earning the money and upgrading your ship you can do it but dude Literally, it take they have projected time limits on jobs because it will take you that long to do it, and it's usually like hours. So, I guess we can uh, we can go back to another different digression because this is actually quite an interesting topic. But don't you think? Let me pose this hypothetical to you. Do you think Elite Dangerous would be more engaging if the world that it t took place in was smaller? Um, I think I would probably play it more frequently if there was a bigger engagement. If the story was more prominent or the world was cut down a bit. Because, yeah, uh, traveling the whole galaxy is time-consuming. I don't want to put too much time into anything nowadays because I might have to fulfill a task or, or get called away by an emergency. Yeah, because, you know, the... Um... The, the larger the game world is, you know, one of the ideas that I think that has infiltrated video gaming as a whole, and you can kind of see this by the development of all of the games, is that uh, a bigger world is a better world. And I don't actually agree with that. I think from a game design perspective, um, the more intimate and smaller you can make your world, uh, the more engaging it will be for the players. So instead of just having a massive... Um, galaxy right the actual milky way galaxy which is by our own admission mostly empty uh, if you had say a single sector or maybe a single solar system then you could really kind of zoom in on like a lot of the aspects of space that would be maybe more engaging 
maybe instead of doing these massive hour-long deliveries, you could be do doing deliveries that take you know minutes. Yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't fundamentally change how you're you're still doing deliveries, but now it's taking a lot less of your time, and you're moving and advancing a lot faster. Exactly. I mean, if you look at it, uh, for instance, I, it was called to my attention a few years ago that the the map in Just Cause Two and the map in one of the Call of Duty games are of a similar size, and the Call of Duty game was even had a larger map, but it felt smaller because the map in Just Cause Two is one to one scale. So even you don't even have to change the fact that it's the galaxy. Just change the scale a bit so that I can get from planet to planet faster. Yeah, yeah. Because what you what you don't want in a in a space game, like uh, again, we keep going back to Mass Effect, and maybe it's not a fair comparison because Mass Effect was designed as an RPG. But even in a game as expansive as Mass Effect, you don't really get to go to many planets. Uh, most of the planets that you'll go to are not landable. Uh, and the ones that are landable are designed around a specific thing. You will do story missions. You will get engagement from these places. So, uh, and obviously, the more important the place is, the more engagement you'll get out of them. But in Elite Dangerous, it sounds like even though there's this actual galaxy, all of the planets are really, for the most part, actually in interchangeable. I mean, if we're looking at primary gameplay loops here, I guess the primary gameplay loop of Elite Dangerous is piloting your ship. But in Elite Dangerous, piloting your ship is very simple. It's basically lining it up between where you are and where you want to be and pressing go. If you want to improve, if you want to make a space trucking game, fair enough. But then make it some, like, give me features that I have to check on. Make it so that I have to make sure the ballast of the ship is correct or that my uh, engine power is properly diverted or something. Give me something to do, otherwise I will not play your game. I haven't played Elite Dangerous in months because I have games that are interesting to play. <laughs> yeah, the the moment-to-moment... -moment, I guess in many ways this, this kind of harks, harkens back to a lot of what a lot of modern work is. It is a lot of repetitive stuff, it's a lot of drudgery, uh, and it doesn't really fulfill a wider instrumental goal. You are not... Captain Cal, the courier of a struggling space company who's trying to, you know, get enough money to get by. You, you aren't like, you aren't a character with a story to tell. You're just a guy in space who has a job. It's a job simulator. And the fact that your job is so boring, you know, you, this job could be more entertaining if you had more stuff to do on the way to all of the places, you know. Um, if you had to, you know, m repair the ship manually or if you had to you know manually check on some of the systems or you know um do any number of things really uh you could make the the act of moving it, it seems like a lot of the the emphasis on realism is misplaced where they've gone for a realistic simulation of the galaxy and i even read that they used scientific models to produce some of the planets but the moment to moment act of flying the ship except when you're of course doing the cool space battles we'll talk about those in a second um is boring would you would you agree with that yeah and you know what they are moving towards making it a bit more interesting um i i looked up on the website just before this that they're releasing a new uh season which is their fancy word for dlc because everyone hates uh. dlc um <laughs> so in the new season which is called odyssey because of fucking course it is uh you can make like a squadron 
so you can get a bunch of uh crewmates or whatever to to hang out with you while you're doing missions and i don't know if that's going to be just for players or if you can get like some npc crewmates but that is what made things like star trek and mass effect and all of those space adventures more interesting is interacting with with other people even on space flight just let me talk to people in my crew ah but you see is that actually covering up for bad gameplay or is it improving gameplay that's already there because if you guys are just doing nothing if you guys are just pointing the ship in the direction and going to it then it really is up to you guys to fill that space is it is is that not true True, yeah, but I mean, if you give if you gave me a ship I could like walk around in, and it had a training room or a sleeping area or a, a I don't know a pool table that I could sit around and talk to Gygax about his uh, serious tentacle infection, then I might feel more <laughs> attached to this space adventure that you've put me on. But currently, I'm just pointing a screen at the direction and pressing forward on my controller. <laughs> I, I wouldn't from everything that we've talked about I wouldn't really characterize Elite Dangerous as a space adventure uh, it is more of a job simulator but the setting is space as someone who has had to deliver things at some point to people um, it can be oh, an adventure oh so you adventure. have actual experience <laughs> it, it can be an adventure depending who you're with well, you know, it's not. Is it? Is it? Would it be the case like, oh, you know, you're going to deliver this package of space cobras to the space <laughs> cobra store, and then the guy's like, but these are the wrong space cobras. What are you talking about? And you can have those interactions, or is it just like, you'll go there, you'll go on space Skype, and they'll be like, here the here's the money. It's li- it's literally like a page from the Iliad. Oh um, no! <laughs> of condensed <laughs> paragraphs. <laughs> in like one text box underneath some random space dude who's just like moving his mouth and it has accept and decline and you click accept you go to the other place they're like thank you for delivering this accept uh, that's that's not very good design no and it might i um it might be my fault for not reading your terribly formatted text boxes but also, you're not giving me incentive to read them. Yeah, you know, I've, I, made a, I made a video about this recently, but capitalism works on incentives, and games are all about incentives. Games are basically pure incentive. You know, if you've got a story, that's your incentive to finish the game, to see how it ends. Uh, if you've got the ability to kill uh, new players and grief them, that's your incentive to, to you know, play the game in that way. But if you don't have a real reason to engage with the story and you don't really have a sandbox in, in, in the way that um, many other sandbox games you know have them then you, you know what's the point a game like uh, for example just cause you know that you brought it up is a sandbox game granted the, the job in the sandbox is revolutionary <laughs> um, but there is such a freedom in how you can do that and so few real restrictions on what you can do that you can fill the moment-to-moment space of going to place liberating tower, you know, the standard stuff, with interesting diversions. But I don't know if that's really the case for a game like Elite Dangerous. Well, if if we if we can stay on the the topic of just we keep saying that, we're, let's just talk about just cause. Um, 
I would, I would say it is in similar in design between that and Elite Dangerous in that the downtime for both games is travel. Because the the peaks for Just Cause is when you get to a, a settlement or a stronghold or whatever and you have to blow it up. And that is pounding action, crazy uh, explosions, visually impressive. People are shooting at you from all over. And then the downtime, the trough, is flying to the next one. And because the map is so big, you can really take in the scenery. You can pr- like do loop-de-loops or whatever you want to do while you're doing that. But they're close in the peaks are close enough together for you to stay interested whereas the peaks in elite dangerous are so far apart that i just sometimes i stop at the next space station and i'm like i have three days to make this delivery literal actual (laughs) three 72 hours in this video game to make this delivery i don't care anymore i'm turning this off <laughs> how much just out of curiosity how much did elite dangerous actually cost you to get into uh, i think i paid um i think i got it on sale for like 200 and something rand and ouch that's pretty steep yeah uh it can't be more than 300 nowadays because it's pretty old but i i, I paid 200 let's say 240 i paid 240 rand for a video game in which I do nothing but listen to podcasts. <laughs> I paid for the space video game equivalent of lying on my bed. <laughs> you could have just played with your controller, not plugged into anything, and that, I guess, might have had the same effect while you were listening to your podcasts. Essentially. It. Do you, do you think that... And, and here's, I guess, an important question. Do you think that Elite Dangerous represents... Uh, a bygone era or more of the like trend, the future trend for these kinds of space simulator games? Because as games become more homogenized, right? You know, every game nowadays is a third person sandbox, open world, kind of RPG, kind of action game, you know, kind of thing. What, the, what, what exactly do you think the impact of a game like Elite Dangerous will be on the rest of the gaming industry? I think, or Elite, even the genre. Elite Dangerous had two different flavors of impact for me shall i say the good impact uh was that we got games like um spaceship cleanup detail or whatever that one was called where you clean up uh crime scenes in space oh, and they uh, was it uh, that's viscera cleanup detail yeah viscera cleanup detail and that's great because that is also a simulation of a mundane task in an interesting setting but it's better because it tells an interesting story with the environment while you're cleaning it up and of course, cleaning is a very involved thing. You don't have to just push a button to automatically clean. You have to, you know, mop and, and so on and so exactly. forth. Exactly, but... and it has a sense of satisfaction to it. And the bad impact is this whole homogenized, you can have everything in one game situation that it, it reminds me a lot of the, the release of the PS4 and Xbox One, where they were just like, it's a multimedia device. It can do everything kind of bad. <laughs> It, it it's a lack of focus that this game and many games that came out after it has that that makes me not want to buy games anymore which is why nintendo is still probably one of the front runners of of the gaming world because they deliver a very focused experience whereas other companies deliver like it's action adventure with stealth <laughs> yeah that's definitely going to be a future episode where we talk about the 
uh, sort of ways in which capitalism has uh, influenced the way that games are made, both maybe in the East and the West. But uh, Elite Dangerous, for me, from the way that I look at it, is if we just kind of look at it from a historical perspective, when the first Elite came out, way back when in the ancient eras of like the early 80s, or was it the early 90s, um, the, the games had a mass appeal because they were something different. They, here is a grand open simulation. If you, all the games that you're playing are side-scrolling arcade games or stuff like that, the idea of just being able to fly around in a virtual space, you know, it's wireframe models and you know, vector graphics and whatever, but that had appeal. But as technology has advanced and as gaming has advanced, really, we have, we have the ability to have too much freedom in a way. Uh, where we don't have these ideas of like, let's scale back the experience, let's power everything down. And I guess that that really does fit into the theme of capitalism because here it is excess for the sake of excess. They did not need to develop a one-to-one scale replica of the Milky Way galaxy. They did not need to make space travel so monotonous and boring. They did not need to make the system, the actual fun stuff, the combat, the space fighting, being Captain Chad McThunder Chad, they did not need to put all of that stuff just out of your reach, you know, to force you to be the space courier before you could be the space captain. Um, because if you're not playing the game to be the space courier, because if that's not interesting, then you aren't really going to want to play to get to the other parts of that. And, you know, if, if, if capitalism has taught me anything from living in it, it's that disincentivizing people from getting better to trying to strive for stuff is actually in many ways how capitalism tends to operate. Um, yeah, um, I remember you, you released a video where you talked about a, a flight simulator game. Yes, Sky. <laughs> yeah, where, where it's, it, it, it feels good to play because it, it rewards you for just sort of flying around and gives you small challenges to do, and it has no combat in it or anything. It's just a, a good-looking game that makes you feel nice for being able to fly around the limitless sky. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what, what, what I think made Sky work, uh, because I guess it's very interesting to kind of compare that, because Sky was a game that was made by students at a university uh, as a project. Uh, <laughs> they talk about innovation coming you know, out of the private sector. But that game is limited to a small set of islands. Uh, the plane is very uh, uh, controllable in the sense that you can have quite a degree of how you can control it, you know, pitch, yaw, loop-de-loops, all that stuff. And it, it is really a tactile experience where you can feel how the plane is going to move and you have to have actually fairly good control of it if you want to actually try to do more complicated stuff. Sure, you can just kind of autopilot it in a way, but the game kind of rewards you for daring to try and fly better and better and better without explicitly saying you have to fly this good, you know, in order to uh, get the rewards out of it, to talk to the NPCs and to do the little quests. Um, but that that is a game that I don't think could have worked in a here, explore the entirety of the world's skies kind of thing. I don't think that would have really uh, helped the experience. I think it would have hurt it. Now, you see, I, I disagree with you there because had Elite Dangerous uh, doubled down on the delivery thing, that was the only job available. You're a space courier, that's your story. And they had set it up like Sky, where the challenge came not from people trying to shoot you down, you have to shoot them back, or the length of the space flights, but rather having to like dodge asteroid belts and fly around planets and maybe dodge people who are attacking you and it had no combat in it whatsoever, if they had tightened the focus on the the 
ship controls on the flying itself, I think it would have been miles better. I I think I would tend to agree. Uh, there's a there's a game. <laughs> we've we've really kind of gone all over the place, and that's I think why this is a podcast and not a video. And I, I kind of like kind of like it. But there's a game called uh, Everspace, uh, which is actually very much that idea. Uh, it is FTL in space, but you control the ship with with uh, shooting mechanics, right? So you jump from sector to sector to sector, and in each sector you have a little space fight. And that's the whole game. Oh, that, that's, that's basically interesting. the game. And that is, that is actually what you were talking about, because that is, except, you know, with combat, that is paring the game down to a simple thing and then just doing that thing right. Whereas uh, your idea is, let's do the courier. This idea is, let's only do the space battles. You don't have to worry about couriering missions. You just jump from basically space battle to space battle to space battle, dogfight with the enemy. They can be bombers, they can be fighters, they can be bigger ships. It doesn't matter. You can upgrade your ship between jumps. But then you have to actually be able to fly the ship and you know fly it well, you know, to 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 fight. And maybe you can run away, maybe you can uh, hide a little bit, but otherwise that's that's the core experience. And it's a roguelike game, and it's actually in many cases very fun to play. Uh, it's also fun to watch because there's actual engagement. There's a reason why you're doing the things that you're doing. Um, exactly. Now, bef- <laughs> now I, I I think we have to address this before we get comments uh, about this. We're not saying that you should not play a game like Elite Dangerous, right? We're not saying that. And we're not saying that games like Elite Dangerous shouldn't exist. But, but, (laughs) there are clear issues both in the game design and the conceptualization of a game like Elite Dangerous that really can only kind of come to the fore and really kind of only make sense in the kind of society that we live in today where people are atomized, they do these boring long jobs, they... They have to fill time in a way that is not necessarily uh, good for them. You know, if you you can sort of get get, uh, get what I'm picking up, putting down. I'm 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 smelling what you're stepping in. <laughs> it 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 you, you I I can't imagine a I can't imagine a game. Well, I I can imagine some of the early space games where you know the, some of the first space games are just space shooters. It isn't really until people start to push the boundaries of what you can just do with, with computers that you really start to see more complicated space games. But nowadays, if you think about why people are playing, and you know, time is a very big factor of it. Uh, if you don't have a lot of time to spend, then Elite Dangerous is not the kind of game that will reward you. Right? It is the kind of game that really actually appeals to a, a higher class person who has the kind of time to waste, essentially, yeah. on a game on a, on a job. <laughs> the irony is a high-class person in real life has to waste their time, or not waste their time, but spend their time doing low-class work in space. It's it, it's very funny to think that um, I have to find a way to entertain myself while engaging in this entertainment property. It's like bringing out my Nintendo... My Nintendo, listen to me. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm a 93 year old grandma uh, who has never seen a games console before. I bring out my Nintendo and I start playing the Pokemans during a movie. It's the same thing. <laughs> if I have to entertain yeah. myself during your game, you have not done a good job. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's the that's the hottest take of of of, of this um, of this podcast so far. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, we're about. We're about sort of running out of time for this episode. Um, 
would you mind if I sort of gave the viewers a little teaser about the, the next episode? Um, sure, but first can I just say that in case it comes up in comments, I'm not saying that uh, Elite Dangerous is even a bad game. I'm just uh, going to say that this podcast is just bringing games into a, a harsh light of critical analysis. So obviously all the flaws, oh, yeah. Yeah. you can ignore all the flaws and still have a pretty okay time with Elite Dangerous, but we need to talk about them to try and improve the industry. Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, we would never say that you should not play this game. That's not the point. Uh, the fact that you had played it for so long is probably why you could be so critical of it. Uh, and if I had only looked at the screenshots, I would have never really had this sort of conceptualization about what kind of game Elite Dangerous really is, or at least from your perspective. And it's important to be critical of, of stuff, even if we enjoy it, because that's how stuff improves. Exactly. Uh, being blind to a product's flaws are how you end up uh, with things like... Uh, Google Glass. The Venom movies. <laughs> We went in two very different and equally <laughs> sad directions. Okay, oh, so boy. it's teaser time, people. Teaser time. Right. So next week, you we will go from the heights of AAA gaming to an indie darling, a game that is actually very good, in my opinion, uh, but still equally horrifying. And that will be Yuppie Psycho, a game about being an intern at an office <laughs> and how horrifying it is. Ooh, um, thematic. It's very thematic and also very relevant because, of course, uh, <laughs> internships are the worst. <laughs> um, so join us next week where we will talk about Yuppie Psycho. Uh, I will I will be the driver of that episode. So look out for my hot takes about why office work is bad and we should do away with offices, but also why you should always take every opportunity to go on break if you work in an office. And, um, yeah, uh, your bosses are probably, uh, maybe eldritch monsters, question mark, question mark. <laughs> and I will right. be, I will be fiddling with the radio on that episode, uh, making jokes and exposing that I have never once worked in an office. <laughs> I know what offices well, see, are, if that helps. <laughs> well, see, that's the duality of our podcast. I've never been a delivery driver. I've never been, <laughs> I was delivering things to like friends. I I don't I don't work for like the mail organization, the mail oh, council. So you, you weren't even you were you were unpaid uh, courier, not even an actual paid courier. My goodness, Callum. I was yeah I was I was a hobbyist. <laughs> yeah, you know you're an artisanal courier. You're not really doing Jesus. this for the money, man. Oh God. Uh. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up. Thank you for listening, if indeed you still are. Have a good one. Goodbye. Uh, wait, should we maybe reintroduce ourselves before we leave? Ah, right. So I'm Emilio. Uh, I I run a channel, uh, the People's Podcast, uh, the People's Pamphlet. I'm going to say the People's Podcast. Well, um, this is the I'm People's one Podcast. Half of your, <laughs> I'm one half of your uh, of your hosts today on Bite Marks. Um, I am Callum. I run a channel, if you can still call it that, where I do stuff kind of, called Grim Monolith, and you can find that in the link in the description. Yes, you should watch that. It has a very good series about Skeletor. It does not, and you should still watch it. <laughs> right, thanks everyone. Bye. Good night.